0: All right, this is the beginning of the new year. This is the beginning of the new year, so let me ask you, let me ask you a question. How have you done it? Yes. How many of you have done it? It's, one person has done it. A couple of people have done it, excellent. Uh, <clears throat> it's the new year, so I'm asking, have you, done, have you done that thing that you wanted to do? Do you remember, do you remember the resolution you had last year? New Year's resolution? How did that go? Did you do it? Fantastic. Uh, are are you doing it? Are you doing it still? Yeah. Did you make a resolution on January first this year? Yeah. Are are you doing that? Um, that's uh, in my humble opinion one of the keys to life. Right there, one of the keys to life is doing the thing that you wanted to do or doing the things that you wanted to do. Uh, by which I mean, you know, the deep good things that you wanted to do. I, I know that uh, people often brag. You often hear people say, hey, I do what I want. That's, that's how I roll. And I think that's almost always a lie for people. people. People don't do what they want. People do what they feel like doing. Now, there's a huge difference between the two of those things. People do what they feel like doing uh, in the given moment. They do what is emotionally easy for them to do. But the things that we really want to achieve in life are things that are usually a a bit more difficult emotionally. And very few humans actually do the deep good things that they want to achieve in life. That's much, much harder. And to be the sort of human that accomplishes those things, it, it takes a lot out of us. And I think the followers of, of Jesus should be particularly good at it. It's a theme that, that crops up all through scriptures, uh, certainly all through uh, the, the New Testament. This idea that, you know, we have an idea of, of what good life is for us. We have an idea of what meaningful and proper true life is for us. But dang, it's, it's just hard to get there. Even if we see the path. Very famously in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul uh, picks up uh, the issue and he says, Why do I do the things I don't want to do and fail to do the things I want to do? And he just goes off on this for a while. And this is Paul, you know, one of the the greatest missionaries and church planners of all time, the author of, of the the most books uh, in, in the New Testament, and he's like, why can't I do what I want to do? And why do I find myself doing what I know I really shouldn't do? What, what's up with that? Does anybody, anybody resonate with that structural uh, struggle? I wanted, I wanted to do this thing, and I find myself not doing it, and I didn't even notice how I failed. You know, I, I kind of drifted into blah when I was so clear on what it was I, I wanted to do. Very few people do what they want to do. People typically do uh, what they feel like doing in the moment. And some people pretend that that's what they wanted to do all along. But come on. We're the people of God. We can at least be honest with one another uh, about how it works. Paul recognized that there was chaos in himself. That he, he started walking this direction, and somehow he drifted to the side. Like there was some sort of chaotic force that ruined his focus and his direction. We've been talking for like the past few months about how there's really a force of chaos in the world. Uh, the, the, uh, the world is in chaos. The kingdom of God is in order. And in, in some real sense, life is about chaos versus order for all of us. Life itself is order. Death and sickness and decay and all of those things, chaos. In the end, order wins. We just want to be on the right side. We want to be part of that process. Anyway, this time of year, we celebrate New Year's resolutions, and you all love New Year's resolutions. I was getting mixed signals. By now, Blue Water veterans should know uh, that I love to make a big deal about New Year's resolutions. And we're gonna talk this morning about the process of making uh, a resolution, the process of resolve, the resolution process, which is really a process for changing life in a, in a good way. And uh, you know, that's, that's our business. Uh, if you're following God, your business is changing lives changing yours and helping to change others. And believe me when I tell you that you want a life of resolve. You want a life of resolution. I promise you, you do. Uh, even if uh, you are not following God, even if you hear here this morning and you don't believe in God, I promise you, you want the ability to make resolutions and to live with resolve it will lead you uh, to good things. But if you are a follower of God, then you should be desperate for the life of resolution and resolve. You should be desperate about all the capacities and all the skills that go into living that life, and we're going to talk about a few of them today. But first, we need to warm up. So everybody, hold your shoulders, do your stretches. Uh, we'll just do a very, very simple warm-up this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to share faith with one another. What's the most contagious thing about you? Your attitude. And what's the most powerful attitude of all? Faith attitude. Uh, I, I will accept love attitude. But everybody in the world is afraid, and the antidote to fear is faith. And, and the best thing that you have to offer people is your attitude of faith. Not, not a lecture on what you believe you know, or why you have faith, but faith itself, which is an attitude, which is a positive attitude that says, hey, something great could happen here, or God could do something great here right now. That's faith. So turn to the people around you and just just inject faith into their world. An attitude of faith. I don't care how you do it, but warm up. Get everybody warm. Go. Serious faith. Come on. If somebody is sitting by themselves and looking uncertain, you, you probably need to pounce on that person. Come on. Are we warm? Uh, who has a lot of faith? Who feels, fa- who, who feels faithed up? Who's got their faith on? All right. Uh, the six of you who, who were brave enough to raise your hand, go ahead and stand up and just faith up the crowd a little bit. Go ahead and stand up. Yeah, there's, there's an honest man. Faith up the crowd, Rich. I, li- I liked his first move, with was just like, all day. Who else? Come on. Come on. It's New Year's. It's New Year's. Who else? Yeah, go. That was even scripture. That, that was like, that was biblical to boot. Fantastic. All right. We get the idea. Now I think we're in the proper uh, frame of mind. Because you see, life is an active engagement. Life is really about force. And it's about being a person of force. It's about, you know, bringing strength and movement and momentum to things instead of going along with the flow. Now God made you for love and he made you for purpose. And love requires sacrifice and purpose requires force. Everybody say force. And so when you live, you have to get your faith on. You have to get your life going. Um, so, you know, share faith as often as you can. One of the main themes in Jesus' teaching was the importance of forceful follow-through living. He just, he touched on this theme again and again and again and again. At the end of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, all right, you listen to all of that, let me tell you that, uh, you know, you're wise if you do my commands. You're like a guy who builds his house on, on a rock. You know, you're, you're foolish if you don't listen to my commands. You're like a guy who builds his house on sand and the first crisis comes and the house falls down. Uh, the key bit there is if you follow through on what I just said, you are wise and solid. If you don't follow through on what I just said, uh, it's, it's worse for you than if you'd never heard the teaching. Your, your house will collapse like a, like a, a, with a great crash. But you know, he, goes, he goes on from there, keeps revisiting it. He, he uh, lectures the crowd on the danger of half-built towers. We've talked about all of his teaching in, in recent weeks. It's like, you know, you don't want to be a guy who starts to build a tower and then stalls out halfway. It's better, better not to even start. You know, you, you have to follow through on your plans. Otherwise, you have all of the costs and, and none of the benefits. So he says, you don't want to be like a king who goes to war without stopping to uh, estimate whether or not he's amassed enough resources to finish the war. That king will go out into the field and get his butt kicked. Jesus didn't exactly say it that way, but that's how my Bible reads. You have to count the costs, which doesn't mean be conservative. It means get it together before before you go to war in life, so to speak, before you fight life's battles. Get it together first. Get your game on first, and then go for it with force Uh, He says, Jesus says in a vision we get in the book of Revelation. It's like, I would rather you be hot or cold, but since you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Don't be halfway about things. You know, if you are hot in life, Jesus says, oh, I can do a lot with you. We can accomplish a lot. We can really live. If you are cold in life, at least Jesus can engage you. But if you're in the middle in life, which is to say, if you're a kind of person who says yes but then doesn't follow through, you're impossible to deal with. You're stuck in blah, you're stuck in the eh spirit or the whatever spirit. That word whatever I think is 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 killing a generation. You know, you gotta be hotter, you wanna have a a reaction. You don't want to just sit there like a lump on a log. So when, you know, the pastor awkwardly says, who wants to get their faith on? You can't just sit there. I'm, I'm trying to be provocative uh, that way. So those of you who stood up and played my game, you get extra brownie points in heaven. Those of you who refuse to do it, well, your salvation is in question. Um, I, I think in the world, evil doesn't win because people are passionate about evil. I think evil wins because people are apathetic about good. Do you agree? And so we have to get passionate about doing good things. That's the battle. Right there. That's the battle. It isn't about identifying evil and calling it out and all of that stuff. I mean, by and large, we know what evil is in the world. But by and large, we have a hard time following through on the good, important things in life. That's what the battle is, really, when it comes down to it. And that's why Jesus talks so much about the danger of being, pardon me, half-assed. We don't want to be half-assed in life. We want to be full-assed. Thank you very much. You've been paying attention. Don't you feel holy? Holy. You can make mistakes and totally get forgiven. You can have as many chances as you need, but you cannot drag your feet and drift and hem and haw and just be blah. That you cannot do. That you cannot do. And around Blue Water Mission, we make it as uncomfortable as possible for drifters. You know, And so some people will leave. But some people will get active and passionate and pursue. And I just think that's kind of in keeping with the Jesus mission. You can't just drag your feet, you can't hem and haw, you can't drift along, and you can't just peter out. That's how most people die. And we are people of, of life. Why does God construct life in that way? Why does God construct the universe in that way? Well, there's so many ways to answer that. There's so many reasons. We've gone through uh, so many of them in previous sermons uh, fighting, struggle in life, is how we exercise trust in God. God has constructed life in such a way that we have to actually trust Him, not just believe in Him, which is the easy part. I mean, Satan believes in God, but trust God. And to trust yourself to something, there has to be some risk involved. There has to be some sacrifice involved. And so God constructs life in such a way that we have to make some leaps. You know, we have to really be intentional we have to invest our heart into things because that's where the trust begins. And trust is what we didn't have in the Garden of Eden. We had belief. We knew God existed. We did not trust him. It's been our problem since then. It's been our problem all along. God is trying to develop trust in us, active, passionate trust. Uh, that's, that's one reason. And, and then also, you know, forcefulness and trust and sacrifice, that's how we demonstrate the worthiness of our testimony. If we believed in God and it cost us nothing, why would the world listen? But if we believe in God and it costs us much and it forces us to live life passionately, intentionally, with focus, with engagement, uh, well, that's something that's, that's worth listening to. And we're all supposed to be soft and light. We could go on uh, about that, but what I want to recommend to you uh, here at the beginning of the new year is that you don't just make resolutions, but that you also process your resolutions, right? You don't just kind of, oh, I'll make a list of resolutions, but you do what you need to do to get it together. You know, there's a, there's a process to resolve, there's a process to most things in life. You can't just drift into a resolution. You can't just drift in life. You have to to drive. (laughs) You have to drive it forward. You can't just drift along in the car of life. You wanna be be a driver, right? You wanna know where you're going and you wanna make yourself uh, get there. Um, So we're gonna talk about resolution process. Um, you, You want to give life change its due. You want to give it its energy. You want to give it the right attitude. Stuff like that. All right, you with me? Give me some faith. There are all sorts of, all sorts of verses uh, about going for it uh, in, in the Bible. Um, I, I printed one uh, on, the, uh, on the back page from First Corinthians 9. Good one for all you athletes out there. Paul often used uh, analogies of athletics or military imagery to explain what life is like, as they, they both require some intensity. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He, he's saying this to the Corinthian church, which is a church that had come to Jesus fantastically. People had uh, come to Christ by the, by the thousands in Corinth, and then Paul goes away after planting the church there, and he heard that they were just kind of drifting into obscurity and trouble. They weren't really following through on a lot of the moral principles of the faith, and, and it was just it just a, a, a truly chaotic place. And, and so he writes to them and says, you know, you kind of need to make a better effort. You know these things are true, time to get on it. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Okay, now that's different. That's a mind shift for them. You don't just cruise. You're going to have to go for it. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The stakes are infinitely high for us, he says. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't drift. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I don't goof around. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. I make it do what I want to do so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, what I say, I do. So that everyone else sees that what I say matters. A little pep talk, a little coach's pep talk right there in the middle of 1 Corinthians. So many passages like this. I love that one. Let's race to win. If you're going to make a resolution, you make a resolution so as to succeed at it. Because there's a battle between chaos and order uh, in the world. We have to understand that battle. We have to understand that if you drift, you drift into nowhere. You never drift into goodness. You never drift on target in life. If you're going to be on target, you're going to have to go for it. In the world, there is chaos and there is order. The big weapons of chaos, this should be familiar if you've been hanging around Blue Water for the past few months, the big weapons of chaos, of decay, of disorder in life are vagueness, just not thinking very much, vagueness, diffusion, which is letting the cares and the distractions of the world sort of compromise your focus, those weeds that grow up and choke out the new growth as Jesus said in a parable. Delay. Oh, delay is a big is a big one. The enemy does not have to convince you to not do that good thing that you're thinking of doing. The enemy just has to convince you to put it off until tomorrow. He just has to convince you to not do it now. It's one of the reasons I love New Year's resolutions, It's because it seems like this is the time to do it. Yeah, you've been putting this thing off for 11 and a half months, but, you know, it's, it's January, um, so now I'm, I'm going to get on it. Just don't delay. You can't really start a New Year's resolution in February. It doesn't work. A lot of us have good things that we've wanted to try in life or good changes that we've wanted to make, and we've never decided to abandon those things. It's just somehow we haven't got around to doing it. More often than not, that's what kills us, just not getting around to it. vagueness, diffusion, delay, and then undiscipled emotions. In life, uh, most of the time, uh, it's our emotions that defeat us at the last minute. You know, well, yeah, I I plan to go to the gym, but I just don't feel like it. And if I don't feel like it, I can't do it. That's the mindset uh, that we have. Um, A lot of uh, people get trapped into a life in which their emotions are in charge. And that's a terrible, terrible sort of life. Emotions are important. They can't be denied, but emotions should serve purpose, not the other way around. You know, and so we can disciple our emotions just like we disciple our our flesh. You know, we see a lot of it in the Psalms. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why, Why so depressed within me? Come on. God is good, and we are going to be thankful today. Tons of psalms about that. I'm convinced of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. While I'm still alive, God is going to come through. That's, that's somebody getting their game on, Psalm 27. You can disciple your emotions. Um, it takes time and it takes effort. The big weapons of order are, not vagueness, but clarity. You have to be very clear about what your purpose is. You have to be very clear about what you want to do in life. Because if you are not clear, you will not do it. And there's plenty of confusion in the world. Plenty of confusion. And if you say to yourself all the time, well, I just don't know uh, what I should be doing. I'm not really sure. clear on what the path ahead is. Uh, that's probably partly true and partly a lie because you you know some good things to do, <laughs> and so you should at least be doing those things. You always know enough to get started, and then once you get started, clarity will come. But being very clear is super helpful. Uh, life is an exercise in priorities. Priorities is a big weapon of order. Uh, priorities meaning figuring out what's important and eliminating what's not. And in this day and age, elimination is usually uh, the essential exercise. What can you cut out of your life? Um, I know several people whose New Year's resolution is to clean up the clutter in their house. Anybody? Yeah, sure. Great exercise. Clean up the clutter in your life as well because you can't set a priority if everything is important equally. Some things have to go. Routines are a huge weapon of order. Routines. You have to set routines for what you want to accomplish. Routine was the first thing that God taught the people of God. If you think about it in the scripture, all of those really boring uh, routines. Like, look, every seventh day is going to be a Sabbath. You know, and once a year you're going to do this festival. And once a month you're going to do this. Why? Why did God go through that? Because routines are how we set priorities into action. You know, you have to, you have to calendar it. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't get done. Um, I do what my Google Calendar tells me to do. You know, um, Hopefully, God is the Lord of my Google Calendar. But you get the idea. You have to have uh, routines because if you have to decide every day or every week if you're going to do it you will not follow through if every sunday you have to decide whether or not to go to church you won't go to church very often but if you made the decision once and now you do it routinely you will succeed and of course discipled emotions is a big order of chaos you have to tell your emotions who the boss is it's one of the first lessons we taught our kids uh, when they were young um, they were uh, feeling upset about something sad or angry or if they were a little afraid of the dark at night, you know, we'd be gentle. We'd try to be good parents about it, but we would teach them. Do you remember the phrase, Jojo? You're the boss of, you, of your feelings. You're the boss of how you feel. You know, you are. Doesn't mean you can deny your emotions, but you can, you can decide which one is going to win. Um, Not a fancy teaching, but hopefully you get the point, you know. When you're sad, you're sad, but faith should win. (laughs) When you're angry, you're angry, um, but truth should win. Thankfulness should win. Stuff like that. Okay, without further ado, pick a resolution. How many of you already have a New Year's resolution? We did a little New Year's resolution service on the beach last week, uh, for those of you who are around, so I have a list Of uh, about a hundred people's resolutions Um, and uh, thank you uh, for those of you who went through uh, the the process and and handed these in but everybody if you don't have a resolution yet you are required at this moment to think of one I will give you 15 seconds go don't think for a moment I'm joking there are angels standing around with notebooks right now pick a resolution Pick a resolution. If if you're not sure that you have one, if you're like, well, this might be a resolution, but I'm I'm not really sure if I'm ready to commit to it, you need an example for this exercise. So seize on to that one. All right, but if you know, then then pick one. Pick a resolution. Everybody got one? Does Does anybody not have one? Because I'll I'll assign you one. anybody anybody not have one? That should be motivation to pick your own. Because you know, you might find yourself running the Honolulu Marathon <laughs> next December if you're not careful. All right, good. Have something to write on your smartphone or the back of the bulletin. There's plenty of space for notes. Something to write on. Pick out your pen or. Open up your keyboard, whatever it is you have to do. We did these resolution cards, like I say, uh, and uh, we had people kind of process through the selection of their resolutions. What's one thing about yourself or your life that you resolved to change beginning early in 2017? That's, that's a good way to put it. One thing about yourself or your life that you resolve to change beginning early in 2017, don't make a resolution that starts in September that would be ineffective. Uh, Why is the change important? Uh, What will make the change challenging? And how very specifically will you go about making the change? And how confident are you that you will pull this off? All of these questions have meaning. Uh, We will go through them uh, with some uh, explanation. The, uh, the number one resolution of people that attended our uh, New Year's Day beach service was to, to get physically fit or healthy. That was by far number one. I don't know what that says about the fitness of our congregation. <laughs> Either we just, you know, prioritize it or... But that, that's a common one, right? It's like, well, you know, I'm going to drop 20 pounds this year. Or, you know, I'm going to get back in shape like I was when I was younger. Or we had quite a number. Like, well, you know what... Um, my, uh, my dad is really struggling with this health problem, and, um, you know, genetic. I can see it coming, so I'm gonna get on that. Some, you know, very, very smart. How many of you have like health or fitness resolutions? Good, right, raise your hand. Nobody's gonna look at you and say, yeah, they do need to drop 20 pounds. No, 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 that, that, that's not gonna happen. Uh, and then the number two resolution uh, judging by these most popular, what had to do with spiritual disciplines, mostly Bible reading. People resolved that they wanted to read scripture uh, more heavily and routinely uh, in, in the new year. Uh, prayer was in there uh, somewhere a- as well. Um, anyway, pick one for today. Everybody's got one? Okay. Now, there are a lot of procedures that you could use uh, to uh, process a resolution. Uh, But uh, we've been using a certain structure uh, when it comes to approaching purpose. We've been using this uh, little scheme called the Pathway to Purpose, Purpose, Vision, Tools, Virtues. You guys remember that one? If you've been around Blue Water the last few months, this should be familiar uh, with you, a familiar language at this point. Many of our Ohana groups are processing through their individual pathways to purpose. Um, So that's a plug, get into an Ohana group. So here's, here's how we'll do it. We'll use the purpose, visions, tools, and virtues to process our resolution and put ourselves in a good place for success. Uh, purpose, by the purpose of your resolution, uh, I mean answer the question, why? Uh, what is the purpose of your resolution? What is the purpose of it? You need to know. Because it will fight vagueness and it will give you clarity. Vagueness is one of the tools of chaos. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it to, you know, extend your life, (laughs) fitness, or you have some health concerns? Are you doing it to bless somebody important to you? Are you doing it uh, because you know fixing this thing will empower you Uh, in life in a significant way. But figure out why you're doing it. Now, just answering the why question might give you a little more um, specificity about the resolution itself. When you know what you're really trying to accomplish, then it really helps you uh, to envision a proper outcome what it is that you want to adjust, what it is that you want to change. Why are you doing this resolution? I think this is a great question for those of you who um, resolve to do spiritual disciplines, like, you know, reading the Bible more regularly this year. Sure, but why? What exactly are you after? Because you can spend a life reading the Bible and, and gain nothing, frankly. Jesus' main uh, opponents during his ministry were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Bible experts of his day. And Jesus said to them once in a frustrated moment, you neither know nor understand the scriptures, which is like telling an NBA basketball player they got no game. But what are you trying to get out of it? Okay, uh, number two, vision. Vision is the how or the how-to of your purpose in life. In this case, the how or the how-to of your resolution. How are you going to pull it off? Be as specific as possible. Visions have to be specific. Now, your purpose will not change, but your vision might. If you're like, well, I'm gonna get physically fit, and I'm gonna do it by running five miles a day. And then after a month of running five miles a day, uh, you have um, developed plantar fasciitis in your foot or something like that, you're gonna have to pick another physical activity, right? But that's fine, your vision can change, but you have to have a very specific vision to proceed, you know? Just like in life, your vision can change, your how-tos can change, but your big God-given purpose never does. You know, sometimes our plans don't work out. That shouldn't throw us very much. Neither should it prevent us from making plans. Uh, I've been sampling uh, recently. Everybody I can ask, I can say, hey, uh, what's your New Year's resolution? People I don't know very well, family members that I do know very well. And the number one response I've gotten is, I resolve not to make any resolutions. Uh, which is a plan to not plan, bad plan. Oh, come on, make one, no guts, no glory. Uh, But when you make one, plan it out, be as specific as you can. How are you gonna do it? Are you gonna set a routine? What day, what hour, what place? You gotta know, because every specific thing you know vastly increases your chance of follow through. Jesus was so clear on his purpose. He was going to declare the kingdom of God and reveal the character and the power of God to the world. But he was also really clear about his vision so that when the crowd started following him in Mark chapter 1, he told his disciples, hey, let's sneak away from them because that's not my plan. My plan isn't to become popular. My plan is to be widespread and effective. So he moved on from Capernaum, worked his way all the way to Jerusalem eventually. Uh, the the number one expression of vision in life is routines. Routines, routines, routines. So chances are, I don't know what your resolution is, but if you're going to pull it off, you need a routine way to do it, a daily or a weekly routine. So if you have not figured that out, you have eight seconds to do it. Okay. Purpose, visions, tools, and virtues. We're on tools now. Tools are the with what question. All right. Uh, You know what you're going to do. You know why you're going to do it. You know how you're going to go about doing it. Uh, With what are you going to do it? Do you need tools? Do you need resources? Do you need to make some arrangements? Because what happens in life is that we resolve to do something, and then we take six months to get the the tools that we need to pull it off. You know, um, I'm gonna paint the house this year, but you know, it's, it's April and we still don't have any paint or brushes. Or, you know, we haven't done the research on what kind of paint to use or something like that. What, what tools do you need to pull it off? Do you need running shoes? Do you need um, a diet plan? What space are you going to use? What time are you going to use? But I'll give you the most important type of tool right now. What is your mechanism for accountability? Who is going to keep you honest? Who is your posse? Who is your posse? It's really hard to do things on our own. And the number one tool you can have is a team, right? I I have Team Jordan in my life. They're very dedicated and very patient people. But, you know, do you have a team you? Who's going to follow up with you weekly to see if you're pulling it off? How many of you need a deadline to get things done? Why do deadlines work? Because basically, you know, it's somebody telling you uh, that that it's time. So just do yourself a favor and get that somebody into your life early. Who's going to help you pull it off? Ask them to commit to you so that you can commit to your resolution. If you don't have an Ohana group, if you don't have a small group that you meet with weekly or almost weekly uh, at the church, uh, then probably you're being foolish in life, um, but uh, you're, you're not as, as well off as you should be uh, with respect to making changes in your life this year. Uh, Sony and I are not leading an Ohana group right now, but we famously slash infamously used to m- make everybody in our Ohana group uh, declare their resolutions at the beginning of the year. And then I would write them down, as some of you are looking at me with disgusted looks. You remember this. And then in June, we would revisit them. We'd have a little uh, resolutions update party and make everybody uh, evaluate, you know, confess or celebrate. Uh, where they were on their resolution. and uh, Admit it, even those of you who didn't like me doing that, did it help you follow through? Okay, there you go. A a resounding affirmation. So who's going to hold you accountable? And then finally, virtues. Uh, Virtues are the force. Right? I said life requires force. Where does that force come from? I don't know, where does it come from in you? And whatever you answer, that's the place of virtue. Uh, Virtue comes from an old Latin word that literally means power. Um, And we have sources of power in our life. Love is a fantastic virtue. It is a fantastic source of power. Um, I... uh, I at one time researched um, uh, performance enhancers. Uh, I was just doing research on like, you know, fitness and, and what makes uh, athletes perform better, what makes runners run faster, and stuff like that. Legal things, not performance en- enhancing drugs. And so people talked about you know, the virtue of coffee uh, and caffeine. Um, the uh, International Olympic Committee just legalized caffeine. Uh, before they would actually test athletes for caffeine, because it turns out that 400 milligrams of caffeine will boost your stamina performance by up to 10% in any event before which you drink it. I knew it. <laughs> Taurine, which is an amino acid. Uh, but the, the studies I enjoyed best had to do with like, m- frames of mind. Like, you know, what mental state causes you to perform best? And most athletes say, well, it helps when I get angry. And so some, uh, this experiment has, has, been, uh, has been repeated uh, by different sets of researchers. Uh, they measured athletes who got angry before a game. Uh, and they measured athletes who spent, I forget what it was, you know, 20 minutes or something meditating uh, about people they loved. You know, or new romantic partners or something like that, people who are in love. And the lovers outperform the haters by by a, a good amount, you know. Um, the, not not quite at the level of anabolic steroids, but, <laughs> but the more you are in touch with the love in your life, uh, the more stamina uh, and agility you have. Isn't that interesting? Uh, virtue, uh, our, our, our state of mind, our state of spirit, uh, really affects how we perform and and follow through in life. So love is a really powerful virtue. How many of you have made a resolution that flows from a a motivation of love? So you got to keep that in mind, right? And when it comes time to disciple your emotions, what you want to do is really get in touch with that love. You want to get your love on, which would be the blue water bumper sticker, except people might misunderstand it. Get your love on. Um, But probably, you know, in terms of performance and follow through, uh, the number one virtue is faith. Get your faith on, get your faith on. How many of you pray as much as you should? Sure, that's a dangerous question to answer. The reason you don't pray more is not because you're too busy. The reason you don't pray more is because you don't believe it will work. It's really a faith battle, and it is a battle. It's definitely a battle. Um, but faith is is uh, the most powerful attitude in this world, I think. Uh, so start with forceful faith. Um, I like the power of declaration. The reason I make you write it down is because it even that is uh, something that forces you to get your faith faith on a little bit. And here's a question, what emotion will kill your resolution? When I asked uh, the people on New Year's Day, what's going to make this hard for you? What I was asking is, what emotion will kill it? Come on, you're smart enough. You know that when it comes time to run your three miles for the day or whatever your resolution is, you're not going to feel like doing it. What, What emotion is that going to be, the thing that comes against you? And then you can decide how to counter it and how to fight it. What's going to defeat you, do you think? What emotion is going to defeat you? Hopelessness, loneliness, fear. There's going to be self-judgment. What emotion is going to defeat you? Paint a target on it and be ruthless about killing it. Uh... Years ago, when I was fighting my worst battle against depression, um, I knew that uh, that cynicism and complaint uh, could defeat me. so one of the things I did is that I made this uh, this resolution to not speak a complaint, and I did it for like six months i couldn 't complain about the weather i couldn 't complain about traffic I was living in in the East Coast at a time, so the weather was worth complaining about sometimes. I couldn't complain about people. I couldn't complain about people treating me unjustly, which was a big theme uh, in those days. I had to not complain for six months. It, it almost killed me. <laughs> but I knew that that was the emotion, that was the form of emotion that was going to defeat me, so I just said, well, I'm going to outlaw that in my life. I'm going to outlaw it entirely. And, you know, It worked. Uh, I got free eventually. What emotion will kill your resolution? Paint a target on it. All right. Who has an example? Let's just end. Who, who's, who's, making, who's making a resolution? I have one. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I have a book that I'm supposed to finish writing. I was supposed to finish this past year. It was a very chaotic year in my life. I did not pull it off. Uh, but i 'm going to finish this year, this year. Why am I doing it? Well, it has to do with my life calling you know it 's going to be one of the ways in which I change dominant culture in the world. Writing is something that I do uniquely well, and God told me to do it. There are all sorts of good reasons to do it. Uh, so that's why I'm going to pull it off. How am I going to do it? Well, I need to revisit my plans because last year's plans did not work so well. So I'm setting aside significant chunks of Monday and Friday uh, to write this week. So if you call me on Monday or Friday, you are going directly against the will of God in the world. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but but I have I have a vision for doing it. You know, and plans change, but. But that's how, that's how I'm going to do it, uh, uh, definitely. Uh, what tools? Well, I don't really need uh, many tools. I need uh, a laptop and uh, you know, bullet points. That's really, that's really all I need uh, uh, to write. But there are some uh, research items involved and stuff like that. So I, I knew this, so I've already kind of completed most of that. When I start writing, I don't want to have to look anything up. So I've got that part finished. About done. What virtues? Well, what I really need is the faith that counters hopelessness because what defeats me in my writing process is kind of a lonely creative endeavor. You know, I can only write by myself. What defeats me is that voice that comes and says, well, you know, it's really not going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. You know, it's really not going to go very far. You know, this sort of hopelessness uh, and this uh, presage of, of disappointment that comes against me. I know that right now. Uh, so you guys can help me out uh, by whenever you see me you know, saying wow um, how's the writing going that's awesome uh, it's going to change the world forever or something mild like that, that that'd be really 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 helpful uh, I know that who's, who's got one that's not writing come on come on who's got one Rich, start. go stand up what's your what do you resolve to do You got to profoundly affect five lives, maybe bring them to faith a relationship in God—that sort of effect, um, or, to or to change for the positive. To profoundly, deeply affect five lives. Why? Well, that's because you think that's what life is about and what you should be doing. Uh, why you in particular? You're the only person that you have, and that's what, that's what life is about. So you really believe this on a fundamental level. This is what your life is for. You believe that. So if you did not do this in life, your life would be a failure. But if you do this in life, uh, your life is meaningful and successful. How are you going to do it? You're going to schedule Monday evening to strategize for the week and to strategize for these however many people. And you're going to set aside a certain percentage of money to use on these people. What percentage? 5 to 10? All right, 5 or 5 or 10, which one? Let's go 10, all right. I was gonna say eight, but sure, all right. I'm gonna go 10. Uh, And what sort of things are you going to do to engage with these people? You've got money, you've got time to be creative. What are you gonna try? What are some examples? You gotta start with some specific ideas. Uh-huh. A certain amount of time per week that you need to talk to people. All right? To figure out what's going on. So to get involved in their lives. Uh-huh. And what, what modes, do you, do you invite them to coffee? Do you just sit with them at work? What do you do? Anything. Anything. So there will be a certain amount of time in which you chase down people every week. Uh, how much time? Um, half, an half an hour every day. Okay, so that can be logged and we can hold you accountable for that. This is fantastic. What tools are you going to use? What are you going to use to to pull this off? Starbucks? Reaching out, doing, figuring out with any, well, we have one tool that you can use to foment significant conversations. What is it? The five discipleship questions. You know, we have business cards with those five discipleship questions on it. Just having questions at the ready. Craig can't stand it anymore. He's going to give. <laughs> um... So if you have questions at the ready or provocative questions, a meal plus one significant question is a kingdom event. That's what we did New Year's Day. But just, you know, hey, what's, what's really important in your life this year? I've been asking that question of everybody. Or what's God been saying to you recently? Well, I don't even believe in God. You don't believe God talks to you? Have you ever had a dream? It, it, it becomes a great conversation. So discipleship questions might be one. Let me, let me skip ahead. What, what's going to stop you from doing this? Um, so every Sunday afternoon, I have an accountability meeting with a friend. Oh, it's so a good tool. Yeah. So every we, Sunday afternoon, you have an accountability meeting with a friend. Yeah. So every week, we have a certain amount of goals that we have to reach, or we lose money. <laughs> or you lose money? <laughs> yeah. There's there's cash at stake. You made a bet. Yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. Well done. So every every week, it gets bigger and bigger. So the pot gets bigger. Yeah. And then the winner goes to Vegas, or I well, hope ho- not. Hopefully, there are no winners, but every say quarter we'll use it for something good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, what, what's, what what emotion is going to get in your way? Emotions, either f- maybe fear, um, fear or of what? Fear that it might not be effective or working. Uh huh. Fear of failure. Um, or doubt. I guess I would say doubt. Do you ever fear that people reject you or think that you're an idiot for budding into their life? You do now. I accept it as part of the process. So. You accept it as part of the process. Yeah. Good man, yeah, totally. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, snaps. Yeah. So you, So there's a the young man who's trying to be very, very intentional about things generally. You know, you could tell by the way he approached the whole church service, right? Um, that's just just an example of how to work through these things. He's got everything there. He's got he's got uh, a purpose, right? He's got a plan, a very specific plan. He's learned to do that. Uh, he's got. Uh, you know, uh, tools in mind. Money is a tool in life. And, you know, I like it that he considers money to be a tool and that he has a process for setting aside money to, that he has to use, right? That's a great way to do, to do it. And then, you know, he's, he's already done some homework. He accepts rejection. He accepts that feeling of foolishness that shapes most of our lives. He's decided it's not going to shape... Is. It's a fantastic example of how to do this. I don't know what your resolution is, but if you process through it in the same way, then your chance of success has just increased a hundredfold. You're getting it on, you know? You're getting your game on. And, and that's really what it takes to succeed. You cannot drift into resolve. You cannot drift into purposeful living. Uh, you have to go for it. Uh, so, you know, let me end by saying, do you know where you're going? In life. Do you know where you're going with the resolution? Do you know what your purpose is in life? Do you know what you're for? Do you know what you're doing? Or are you just drifting? And that question right there is the start of a lot of beautiful things. If you can honestly say, actually, I don't really know where I'm going, uh, then boom, you are in position for life change. Uh, right there. It's one thing to be clear on what you want in life, but it's another thing to be clear about what you're made for in life. And our hope here for people who congregate around the presence of the Lord is that you would know what you're made for, uh, what your big God-given purpose is, and how to go about achieving it, because life only lasts so long. And this is what we want to spend our life on. The best thing to know is what God intends for you. There's a lot that goes into that, but when it boils right down to it, the best thing in life to know is what God intends for you. And I can testify that God intends good things for you. And if you don't know what God intends for you, then it starts with a conversation with God. You have to start your conversation with God, which maybe for you involves meeting God for the first time. That, that can be arranged. <laughs> That's actually fairly easy to do. And if you're at a point in life, you're starting something in the new year that involves you figuring out what God is about and what he's made you about, then I invite you just to go over to the Micaiah Wall. We'll get the prayer ministry team walks over there right now, guys. And they'll just kind of receive you and pray for you and get the conversation your conversation with God started uh, because really it's, it's you connecting with God, not us telling you about God. That can be encouraging, but it has to go deeper than that. Step two for you will be to get with people who will help you live the good life, the meaningful life, the purposeful life in the midst of this chaotic world. You need to get into one of our Ohana groups. You need to have people. You need to have co-travelers. You need to have like-minded friends in order to pull this off. And maybe the change that you need to make this year is to get yourself some peeps, is to get a posse that's going to help you instead of one that is not going to help you. Set yourself up for success. Set yourself up for resolve and resolution. Resolution. It doesn't just happen you have to have a plan and you have to follow through and i just pray that new year's blessing upon us this morning lord i pray that you would give us the gift of follow through this year that you would give us forcefulness and faith that you would give us virtues of love and faith so that we might pull it off i pray lord that you would bring us into a life of fruitfulness harvest and good sense. I pray, Lord, that you would make clear to us uh, what might defeat us, and that you would make clear to us how we will defeat it instead. I pray, Lord, for a spirit of faith and encouragement among us this morning. In Jesus' name.